All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back for another episode of BFI, Black Financial Initiative, where we strive to keep you entertained and informed on finances and how to improve your financial situation. As always, uh, if we can't give you the best answer, we'll bring on someone that can. So Larry, go ahead and kick our uh, guest over, introduce everybody. Hello, all the initiators. How are y'all doing today? We got a great guest, great guest. His name's Andre, the president and founder of Millennial Next Door. He's the host of the Flavor Podcast. Andre, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm doing good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Fantastic, doing well. Man. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be on the show. I became a quick fan of you guys. So, no, yeah, you guys are doing good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and as uh, mentioned before we, you know, kicked off this episode, we were listening to you also, man, and, and really enjoyed the content. So thank you for putting it out there, trying to educate everybody and just keep everybody informed and also entertained. So, uh, I mean, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it, guys. Cool. All right. Well, let's get right into it. So, Andre, can you tell us about the Flavor Podcast and why did you start it? Yeah, you know, I, I keep it real at all times, no matter what. <laughs> um, but before COVID, I was doing blogging on my website and I was not consistent at all. Yeah. So I thought talking about stuff finance would be easier. So I said, okay, let me start a podcast. Um, COVID happened. Fortunately, unfortunately, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I said, okay, let me go and do this thing. So started it. And the thinking behind this is the Flavor, Flavor Podcast. You guys seen the logo. It's like a total ripoff of Queen Latifah's so in Living Single, like the uh, magazine. You know, guys, remember the, the Flavor oh, yeah. magazine? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So no, I, I ripped that one off. I'm hoping she will be on the show one day. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I feel like it would be. But, you know, the idea behind it is just there's so many different ways of investing. So, you know, you can invest in real estate. You can invest in apartment homes. You can invest in stocks, REITs, bonds. There's like so many different flavors. So the thinking behind this podcast is just to give people a taste. Kind of like, you know, when you go into a food court, you can taste some of this, taste some of that, see what you really like. And then you can go into the weeds of everything, you know, and really dig in there. So um, it's been through a few evolutions. The newest one, <laughs> uh, the new one is uh, my favorite one. It's me and four, three other financial people out in the world. So we got like five episodes, about maybe two or three weeks out of the month. So Monday, we talk about stocks. Tuesday, we have someone talk about personal finance. Wednesday, we have someone talking about real estate. Thursday, I talk about entrepreneurship. And then Friday, we have someone talking about the economy in general. So we like trying to push it all in there in one podcast. <laughs> okay, so you're hitting up everything then. Well, not everything, but you're hitting up a lot. You know, uh, like you said, it's the, the flavor. So you're giving everybody a bunch of different flavors. You got a, a smorgasbord going on right there, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I might need to start using that one. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's been funny, you know, as you guys said, and just like y'all do, this is about providing good content for everybody. Um, you know, I always tell people like, hey, you ain't gonna be rich from listening to the podcast, but you're gonna be well on your way if you do that. And you actually, you know, put in some effort outside of the podcast too. How, how did you come up with the idea to do, I guess, so many different subjects throughout the week? How did you come up with that idea? That one, it just came recently. So like that new evolution was possible. I think it hit Juneteenth this year. And man, like it's been in the back of my head for a long time. Originally, I wanted to do something kind of like the Breakfast Club, but for finance. But I couldn't find nobody in Atlanta to do it with me. 
So I was like, okay, let me spread out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, you know, it'd just be cool just to have everyone else on one podcast because, um, you know, we see oftentimes, especially now, that a lot of the big podcasts, they've been around for years and years. So it's, like, it's just kind of hard to break into the industry. It's become a little bit saturated now. So it's like, hey, let's just all pull together. Um, you know, I say, hey, sign off for one year. If you don't like it afterwards, hey, you're more than free to start your own podcast. I, you know, think of it as a jump for your own podcast. But hopefully everybody stays, you know, let's let's work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, we're, we're uh, rooting for that. We want to keep it together. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, you you mentioned you have some some different people on the podcast with you, and I've listened. And you have some uh, people you bring on as interviewers or interviewees. So, what's the most interesting or useful thing you've learned from the interviews on the Flavor Podcast? Okay, so in perspective wise, I, I don't know how many episodes we have at this point. I don't say it's at least maybe two to three hundred. So, if any of my podcast folks are listening, I mean, this is one that just came to mind recently. Um, so I had someone on the show and she's a great marketer and her big item that really touched me was sometimes you got paid to be in the room. So I'm not sure you guys have ever been to a networking event. I'm sure you have, but you know, I, I'll go to the free ones. Maybe I pay $20 for one, but paying like a hundred dollars, paying a thousand dollars for it. I'm not at that level just yet, but I'm pushing myself to get inside those rooms to meet some of the people I really need to meet to go ahead and up my career. So I just, this upcoming month, I'm gonna pay $100 for a networking event. Never done it before, not sure who I'm gonna meet. I'm excited, um, not excited about paying $100, but I'm excited for the progress. <laughs> but no, I mean, what did you guys think about that? You know, as far as I just paying to be in the room. Okay, well, for me personally, I've never uh, done that and I never even thought about that but that's I'm glad you're on that's why we have different people on so we can get different perspectives and and little uh advice and tips and things like that so I mean now that I'm aware of that I'm not opposed to it uh mm -hmm. like I said it depends on the event uh how much it costs who's going to be there like what's I mean with everything we talk about finances we talk about the ROI the return on investments so yep. it has to be worth it to you. So if, you, if you're going to have the right people there, if there's going to be enough talent around, then, hey, go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah, um, I'm hoping for it. Um, as my boss, he pays like 20000 to be part of one organization here for one year. I'm just like, that makes sense to me. But for him, you know, that's how I guess his big business. He's hanging out for other people, millionaires and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, let me just see what's going on. And I'm sorry, Larry, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. You go ahead. What, what, what did you think? No, no, I think um, if it makes sense, it makes sense. You know, um, if it's going to be a good return on your investment, then then why not? It kind of reminds me of that question that was floating around recently. You know, would you pay? I don't know how much it was, like $10,000 to eat dinner with Jay-Z? Oh, yeah, that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, give me the money. <laughs> I'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Give, give me the, the money if it's like ten thousand to eat with Jay Z or a million dollars or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the meme was, but you probably can give me the money, and I can probably, you know, do some other investments and, and yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jay Z probably tell you to get get the money too. He probably tell you to take. The <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be the whole conversation that eating yeah. dinner with Jay Z. He gonna he gonna spend the whole time telling you you were stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. like he can tell me everything in the world, but it's like, man, I ain't got no money for that. So it's like well, that's real one, but thanks thanks for the steak, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't see nothing wrong being frugal. You know, I'm not frugal in everything. I buy some expensive speakers. And I live in Atlanta, so if I go out, I know myself, I'm going to spend more money than I intended to. So, you know, you, you just got to be smart and put some buffers here and there. <laughs> yeah, that frugality is a good starting point because, um, I mean, you have rich people that go broke. You know, we say that all, all the time, and that's because they're spending too much. So you do have to have some sense of um, holding back and being cheap some sometimes but then also i mean knowing where that money is going because like you said you have some things that you know you want to spend money on mm -hmm. it's perfectly fine as long as you know where that money is going and you know you can hey i'm gonna hold back a little bit here so i can afford to pay for this is when you start overspending that's when people have a, a problem but so we're not telling people you can't buy stuff i mean andre said hey you know i can buy i can spend some money on some things just oh yeah spending it on so yeah you know that's the big key to I think that's like a big eye-opener when I first started doing financial coaching. And for some reason, it seemed to happen people in New York and Cali because it's probably so expensive. But they'll be making 100K a year, probably a little bit more. And they had the same question at the end of the month. They said, where did my money go? Like, they have no idea. They just know it's gone. And I'm like, hey, you guys, you know, they'll say your income is like 5,000. The expenses are 3,000. So I say you got 2,000 left over each month. What happened to that 2,000? They don't know. So yeah, a lot of times you got to track it, be frugal, get your foundation going. <laughs> well, Somebody nowadays, budget. I'll tell you exactly where it's going. It's going to groceries, man. Food is expensive, Ooh. man. <laughs> man, I tell you, eating is such a scam. I just, I love you, <laughs> man. I got to pay every single day. <laughs> Which you can just lay out in the sun with photosynthesis. Just, just <laughs> I don't need to eat anything mm. today. If only. That saved me so much money. <laughs> I guess this kind of ties into uh, your your career. Um, so what are some beginning investor techniques or items that you would suggest? Yeah, so I'm really glad you asked that. For this one, I got two things because I, I keep it simple. You know, we see those movies like Wolf of Wall Street. They make investing look very sexy. It ain't got to be that sexy, y'all. You can be born and still be rich. So the first one is a DCA strategy. Uh, for those who don't know, that stands for dollar cost average. Basically, all you're going to do is on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly basis, whatever you decide on, you're going to invest the same amount into the market. So if the market's doing well like it was last month, you invest the same amount. If the market's doing bad like it's doing now, you invest the same amount. The idea is you want to get the average amount over the course of the year. So you have some people that try to time the market. The reason why I don't like that is because you got to be right two times. You got to be one right when to sell. And you got to be right again when to buy back in. That's difficult. So, you know, you got these people on Wall Street make six, well over six figures, and they can't even get it right. So, yeah, for the most part, I'm going to keep it simple. So, hey, I'm not even getting paid to look and stare at the screens that much. So, I'm going to keep it very simple, dollar cost average. Over time, it, you know, you'll get a decent return. I'm not saying you'll be filthy rich, but you also won't be broke either. And then the other item I had here was ETFs and index funds. Again, it's not sexy, it's not Tesla, it's not Amazon, 
But for me, it's kind of like safe investing. And over time, it does grow. You won't become rich, rich, but you become better off than when you started. And I'm curious, do you guys like have a favorite basketball team? Is it like Dallas Mavericks for you guys? Mavericks. For me, Mavericks for sure. I'll keep quiet on that, you know. Oh, man. No, no. <laughs> no I, I have nothing against the uh, Dallas Mavs. I mean, as we said before, we're out here in, a, in Texas, uh, the Dallas area. So uh, I don't follow basketball super closely, but I would I would go for the Mavs. Oh, that's fine. I mean, my favorite team is I'm from Orlando, so I got to go with the Magic. We ain't going to talk about that now. But the reason why I bring that up <laughs> – so, you know, when I explain what an ETF and index fund is, I compare it to a basketball team. So let's say for the Lakers, you can say, hey, you know what? I think LeBron is going to have a great game. Let's say he doesn't. Then you'll just kind of messed up all of a sudden. It's okay. Maybe I put my money on the team, the Lakers themselves. It's a decent chance that the Lakers might win a few games compared to just hoping that LeBron makes it. And then like the bigger picture is just the NBA in general. So if we break it down into ETFs and index funds, I can say, you know what? I think Tesla's going to do well. If it does well, I do well. If it does bad, I do bad. Some people might not want to take on that risk because it is a lot of risk. So then you can find an ETF that just focuses on electric vehicles. So one is DRIV, D-R-I-V. They just focus on electric vehicles. The other one is HAIL, H-A-I-L. They focus on electric vehicle batteries. And this own like bits and pieces of each company. So it's safer. So you can say, you know what? I know that electric vehicles are going to become a big thing here. I don't know which company is going to become the biggest. I'm not sure which company is going to make it or not. But I know the industry itself is going to make it. So sometimes it's better to get a piece of the pie than getting greedy and ending up with nothing. So that's why I really like to always implement ETFs and index funds just a little bit for my portfolio is about maybe 30, 40% right now. And yeah. Decent gains, good foundation. Yeah, so it sounds like you're doing some um, studying because I think, um, for instance, I think California next ten years or so they're gonna get away from gas vehicles. So that's that should uh, you know make a big demand for uh, electric vehicles. Yeah, I would imagine so. You know, first, thank God, just because I do believe in global warming, so it's good to see we're moving in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, you know, just seeing stuff like that's okay. Cali's doing it. It's probably a good chance that's going to become recommended for every state to do it and then countrywide, then it might be continent-wide, then globally. So it's kind of like say, again, I know this industry is going to do well, it's going to take off. I just don't want to miss the plane and try to you know, fight over first-class seat. I'm okay with getting some of the games. I'd be, I'd be just fine. And also, it sounds like, are you, are you kind of big into long-term investments? Yeah, big time. So... The way I break up my portfolio is I do like 30% of it into like ETFs, funds, long-term stocks. I do another 30% into trend stocks. So something like that would be cruise lines for me. I got a lot of faith in these cruise lines that they're going to come back. Hopefully they come back. <laughs> and I do 30% into real estate investment trust. And I got 10% for risky stuff. But for the majority, a lot of my stuff is long-term investing. You know, um, I tell this to a lot of people, if you're investing your rent, your mortgage, hoping for a quick gain, that's just playing a dangerous game. You might as well go to Las Vegas, honestly, which is perfectly fine. If you got the hot hand, you got the hot hand. 
But yeah, you know, long-term investment is definitely more so for retirement. And I think that's something important that we all need to still focus on. Yeah, we, we preach a lot of that on here as well, as far as uh, the long-term gains and not getting too caught up in trying to make, you know, the fast, but it's not all money is good money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, sometimes it can get you in a bind. Um, and it, it depends on people's situation. You know, sometimes maybe someone's a little bit younger. Um, they're making some a good amount of money, so they have a long time to recoup that money if they have some losses. But for the most part, we, I mean, we we preach the same thing: long term, long term gains. You know, sometimes it's slow and steady, and sometimes you might still win a good, quick come up off of playing a long term just because of that. What you're investing mm-hmm. in is is so so good, and you're ahead of the curve. So, yeah, um, you we know, want people to be smart with the money. Yeah, that's what it's about. I think a lot of people get FOMO. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember last year, it was like the meme stocks, GameStop, AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond. We saw Bed Bath & Beyond come back recently. We saw it go all the way up. We see it come all the way back down like within about two weeks. So, you know, when people get that FOMO for these stocks, they don't really keep in mind that, hey, you could really lose this money the next day. So it's like somebody got left holding that bag. Don't know who, but somebody did. <laughs> Yeah, and you don't want to be the one left holding it. If it's already <laughs> shooting up and it's on everybody else's mind and on their tongue, and it's you're too late. You know, it's at that point you're probably buying while it's high or close. Yeah. To high. So you, you can't be the one trailing behind. You got to be ahead of the curve. You do. I think the new saying now is if your Uber driver's talking about the stock, you're too late. It used to be taxi drivers, but now it's Uber drivers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you another question. What is a financial junk drawer and how do you help people clean them? Yep. Uh, so a financial junk drawer, that's pretty much anyone that just has a bunch of financial stuff that they just haven't looked at. So whether that's your debt, student loans, mortgage, um, your credit score, that budget sheet you started like two years ago, but you just never got to. Yeah, that's your finance drawer. And what happens is you know, people it's kind of let it pile up and pile up. And then it becomes really intimidating, which I totally understand. So that's why I kind of like break it down. So I, I want to introduce this to, um, I call it my bucket approach for personal finance. To me, it's just an easy way to say, okay, this is what I need to focus on today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So today's bucket is just about setting goals because you need to do that. You need to know which way you're going, establishing some type of spending plan or your budget. And then starting that emergency fund for when life pushes you down, you got at least a cushion to fall on and making sure you have enough, you know, decent insurance to make sure you won't get set back. So that's today's bucket. Now, the next bucket, you guys already know. Larry, tell me, tell me the next bucket. What is it? Hey, I know. I put you on spot. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. <laughs> I know. You're good, man. So, you know, t- today we focus on our today bucket. That's for, for everything that you can do today, something you have control over. So after today, we go back, look at what we did yesterday. So in yesterday's bucket, it's just about forgiving yourself for any past money mistakes you've made. Trust me, we've all been there. Uh, it's looking at your debt. It's looking at your credit score and tracking your net worth to see where you were yesterday and see where you can move up to today. So after that, yesterday's bucket, then I help them move on to tomorrow's bucket. Tomorrow's bucket is kind of like a, a luxury because this the investing side, that's you know more champagne problems. So that's looking into your generational wealth, estate planning, um, saving money for your kids for college because they will need it most likely, and retirement planning for yourself. 
So that's kind of how I've been able to help people with the financial junk drawers. And then I put it on one little nice page. It's not going to fit everything, but it fits like the main important goals to that person. Because everyone's always going to be different, right? But yeah, that's really um, how I help with the fun financial junk drawer. One thing you brought up was uh, student loans uh, for your children. What do you think about uh, what just came out? The uh, I believe it was $10,000, $20,000 student loan debt forgiveness. You know, I give Biden props. Um, he's the person that's done the most with student loans by a long shot. And, you know, I've been blessed enough. I'm probably the ugly side of generational wealth. Well, my parents did pay for me to go to college. I went to FAMU, shout out Atlas. So I had to do it. But, you know, I went to college. Um, they paid for my tuition. Amazing. So I'm essentially I'd be paying for everyone else's a little bit. But plus, I'm honestly okay with it. Like, I don't get why people are so upset. Like, I pay for wars I don't believe in. I pay for companies to be bailed out. I would much rather pay for other people to get a little bit side relief for the 10K thousand. I mean, for some people, it won't be too much. For some, it will. But it's the best that I've ever seen, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, that's a big help for a lot of people. I mean, some people, you know, might just have, you know, about 10000 left in the in those loans. So to have that cleared, you know, is is a godsend or 20000 for some people, right? Because I believe yeah. that's what the uh, policy said for uh, those that had Pell Grants or something like that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's going to help a, a lot of people out. And like you said, for some people that got way, you know, kind of in over their head in some of the student yeah. loans, it'll it's still going to be help out. Something's better than nothing. Yeah, and exactly. I think it's probably possibly really covering the big issue. I mean, the big issue is why does going to school cost that much still? That's it. I, wanna, I still don't get, but hey, that's for another day, I suppose. Yeah, but now you, you talking on something now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's plugging up a hole right now. Um, but the bigger issue, like you said, is is why does it cost so much? But that's for another day. Yeah, that, that'd be another topic for you guys on the podcast. <laughs> but for now, the topic is uh, REITs or, or REITs. Can you, you explain that to our listeners? You talked about it. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, so can you go into a little bit more detail for us? Yeah, of course. Um, so REIT, uh, it stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. And for me, I use it as a way to get exposure to real estate because personally, I don't want to own too many homes. I'm okay with just my one little house. I Airbnb it out sometimes. I'm okay with just one house, but I still want to make money from real estate too. So I do that through REITs. Essentially, what these are, they're just regular companies like Amazon, Apple, Google. So they trade on the stock market just like Apple and Google. So you can buy shares into them. The big difference between them and like the other companies is they focus on real estate, hence the name. And because they do that, they get a tax break. They get a tax break if they give 90% of their profits back to shareholders in the form of dividends. So if company REIT, ABC, they make $100,000. $90,000 of that goes back to shareholders. Now you flip it for Apple. If Apple made that 100000 they don't have to give it back to um, shareholders. They can keep it keep reinvesting into the company. But for me, I personally like them just because they do give those dividends. I'm able to reinvest or just take the cash into my regular portfolio, invest in something else. And like the finance nerd in me finds them so interesting because you got so many different niches of REITs. You have some that focus only on casinos. 
You have some that focus only on hotels. Um, if you guys have been to a post office by the United States, those buildings, they're owned by REIT. Like one REIT owns about 600 post office buildings. So it, technically the government is their tenant. Government pays them rent and that's how the company makes money. AMC buildings owned by another REIT as well. So uh, there's a lot of REITs around us that we don't know, but the easiest way to think of it is really a REIT is basically a landlord and they have tenants and you just make money off of the tenants as they pay you rent. Yeah, that sounds like a you know pretty convenient way of getting into to real estate. Uh, for example, my, myself, that's something I've been looking into in a little bit. I wouldn't say something that's gonna come soon as far as you know buying real estate or rental properties. I know uh, Larry's big on that and that is a good one, a good option for people to invest. But another way, like you mentioned, is the, the REITs for those that you know, maybe not going to buy another property immediately. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that earlier and we were able to circle back around to, to that. So you mentioned the REITs and it doesn't sound like you're big on actually buying a property at this moment. Is that something long-term for you or are you just like, nah? And um, my trajectory has been house hacking. So for this one, um, I mean, I started in one house, sold it for profit, and I started another house, then the housing market went sky high last, last year, sold that, and now I'm just in a new build home. So knowing myself, I'm probably going to be in a new build home probably two years from now because I don't tend to apparently stay. But yeah, it's like owning two homes, I'm just, I'm just not for it. I'm lazy in that sense. Like I'm a lazy investor. Uh, if I can make the same amount of money through dividends, pay me my dividends. I'd be okay. I don't need to say I got two or five houses. I'm good on that. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing from REITs that I'm investing in a couple of them and the dividends, um, they seem to be doing well. So that's that's one good thing. I would say. Oh, wait, Larry, you got to tell me, I man, which, which ones? Oh, man, you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> give me one, give me one. I'm curious. <laughs> okay, let me pull it up real quick. We normally don't do this, but uh, let me... Uh... I know you're good because, yeah, I know um, for me, like I'm big on the hotel REITs. Uh, just because they tend to pay well when the economy is doing well. And then healthcare, I'm pretty big on. Yeah, this looks like so many different ones. So you got Timberland, you got one for billboards. This is like some random REITs out there. Yeah, put me um, on game so I can go ahead and get me a REIT. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll say one. One is, I don't know if you're familiar with, it's called Realty Income. The um, uh, the symbol is O. So that's yep. the one that I'm yeah, let me let me write that down. Uh, Go ahead, man. I think I said they pay monthly, right? They pay monthly dividends. I believe so. I believe so. Let me see it real quick. So you you have heard of them before? Oh yeah, no, um, I got them. I think I got like ain't much. I got like three shares, but yeah, I like them as a company. They've been around for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, they have been. Yeah, as far as like retail reads go, they got a lot of um, anchor stores, so that's been keeping them alive throughout the pandemic. And from the looks of it, they ain't going anywhere anytime soon. So I kind of that's just easy money personally. Yeah, I, I'm trying to find it, but I do think they do pay monthly, I believe. Yeah, because um, I, I do a group and most people usually recommend them for monthly. So I think that's why they come to mind right now. But yeah, no, I like that one, man. Larry, you okay by me. <laughs> hey, Andre, thank you for putting him on the spot. You know, he's over here trying to keep secrets. Exactly. Things, you know? <laughs> exactly. And I saw him in the background and said, man, Larry hiding something over there. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, man. Man, so you have Larry putting everybody on game. You've been putting everybody on, on game. So we want to bring this back in a little bit. In the name of the podcast is Black Financial Initiative. So what do we as Black people as a whole need to do or how can we improve in, uh, our financial situations and building generational wealth? Okay, so for that one, I got two major ones, major answers. The first one is going to be life insurance. I mean, life insurance, that's just like the easy way to do it. I know it's kind of bad to think about, so man, my kids have to wait till I get to die to get paid. Um, that's not always the case. You know, you can really, there's so many different ways to invest through life insurance. So if you got, have you guys ever heard that whole infinite bank, you know, being your own bank? I don't think I have. I don't believe so. Yeah, so um, a lot of people, they do this through for like real estate, but pretty much they invest in a life insurance policy and they're able to take loans from it while the money is still growing in the account. So that's like one way people can use life insurance while they're still alive. And you know, the other way is you use it when you pass away. So when I was working inside one of the insurance offices, um, they always said to me, you know, when it comes to life insurance, for the deceased, they'll, they got more bigger things to worry about, I would imagine. But for everyone else, it should be their best day financially and it's, of course, going to be the worst day emotionally. But still, that's definitely an easy way to build generational wealth. The other answer I have here, this one's a little bit more complicated. But on my podcast, I asked the same question. I was asked one question or last words of wisdom. So the question was, why do most people fail in finance for whatever reason? And for me, based off my experiences, you know, it's going to be subjective. But oftentimes, they just don't show up. So put it into numbers, I can have like 10 calls that are supposed to show for financial meetings off with, but I know half of them won't show up. Already know. The other two or three people, some of them might show up, but oftentimes some type of emergency comes up. And then the two people that actually do show up, they're all coachable. Those are the ones that tend to build generational wealth. And those are the ones I focus on. So I just feel like oftentimes we just got to show up. That's it. And that probably goes in uh, more ways than one, you know, show up physically, mm -hmm. uh, mentally, you know, emotionally pre prepared to listen and, and take the advice and maybe even being eager to go out and seek it, advice and seek information. So I, I think that does work. And I, I can see that definitely being a thing. Just show up, people. Show up and listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, funny you bring it up because I always joke about this, but I can't get a man to save my life. Like for all my years in finance, I got maybe two male clients that aren't married. Like for men, we do not go to financial meetings or even get them. Usually it's just women who do it. That gets me in trouble with my girlfriend, but that's been my main <laughs> my main business. <laughs> but yeah, like um, for especially um, black women, I think they just do amazing. So, you know, they're coachable, they listen. And then they teach me stuff along the way. So I think they're definitely going to win in a few years. So I'm always impressed by them. Yeah. Isn't that like our most, uh, America's most educated class? Like, you know, yeah. Black women. Yep. Yeah. And I, I want to say, you know, because you know, on like Instagram, you can check who actually follows you. I want to say for me, it's like maybe 75% of them are women. And I know what you guys are thinking. You think it's because I'm good looking. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just be on, like they just ready to make more money. It's like, hey, man, the education, the determination, it's all there. I think that's just like the perfect storm for generational wealth. So it's, th it's three guys on this uh, podcast right now talking. Why? Why do you think guys 
aren't so receptive. You think we're, we just think we know it all or? You know, it's like that whole head honcho thing. So I, I used to work in state farm offices, like, you know, small agencies. Usually it would be me and two to three other women and the guy would be the main agent. So like the main reason why I think it is, is because like for me, I think men usually can be a little bit more motivated and ambitious. So they say, okay, I want to be the head honcho. And the only way to do that is to pretty much open up your own agency. You can't do it underneath someone else. So I think the same thing applies just in regular life. So, hey, I want to learn about finances, but I don't want to learn from someone else. I'm going to do it on my own. Take all the headaches, um, take all the, um, lose some money here and there, but I'm going to do it on my own kind of deal. So that's been my main thinking behind it. But again, can't get a guy to save my life, so I can't ask nobody. Yeah. Yeah, that is odd, but it's, it's uh, weird when you think about, you know, a lot of people that are putting out content like ourselves, you know, we're, we're, we're males, but a lot of people out there seeking that information, or at least from your experience, rather the women. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's why we have a lot of different people come on to the shows. And like you said, in your podcast, you have a lot of different people and get those different pers- perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the women have been holding it, holding it down. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Love them. Love them to death. Yeah, so women, go ahead and drag your your boyfriends or your your husbands to those meetings. Uh, just stick the earplugs, earbuds in their ears, make them listen to the podcast. And that's usually how it goes. The men get dragged along. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to circle back around real quick. Uh, you mentioned that you went to FAMU. Yep. Um, do 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 you think your experience at FAMU and uh, being at HBCU has helped you with your career and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think for me, because I, I pretty much tend to focus on HBCU students, uh, just because that's my love, my passion, you know, my fame you. Uh, they gave me a second chance in the sense when I went to high school, I didn't do that too good. I, I think I, I was lucky to get a C. So I was okay with that. And, you know, fame still took me in. And from there, I just excelled. I broke out of my eggshell. And, you know, I was like part of everything. It's like the family around you is just amazing. And being in Atlanta, you know, it's just pretty much FAMU number two at this point. But, you know, still seeing old classmates, seeing old alumni, they always want to help out. And they say, hey, it's just a nice family unit for me. So, you know, that definitely helped. And then professionalism helped big time. Um, quick story. We had to go out to these forums where they had corporate guests. And FSU wasn't far from us. So we had FSU students come um, for like one day. And you could tell the FSU students. Because they didn't wear a suit. They just kind of came in some regular jeans. And all the other family people, they're like in these suits and everything. Um, you know, nice haircuts and all that. So I think professionalism really helped alongside too. Because, you know, appearance helps. Nice. We uh, recently had a guest on that was, uh, I'm not sure if it was FAMU or what, but they also went to a HBCU and they taught Larry and myself a, 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 a new term for the school that we went to because we didn't go to a, a HBCU. What, what was it, Larry? It was, uh, it was it P- predominantly white? PWI? PWI. Yeah, we both went to Stephen F. Austin State University here in Texas, East Texas. You know, it's all love, but yeah, I'm not sure that PWI came up. I like it, then I don't like it. I got mixed feelings. Man, um, so in, in the intro, you know, I mentioned that you were the founder, the president and founder of the Millennials Next Door. Uh, you want to explain what that is? Yeah, um, so that's really just my brand. 
um, man, I, I got the name from the Millionaires Next Door. If you guys know that book, yeah, it's just yeah. playing off of that. But yeah, um, that's just like a big part of me because at the end of the day, if someone sees me, I do not look wealthy at all. But just to be above a zero on the network for my age and our age is just amazing in itself. But yeah, um, I mean, for me, I'm just a big finance nerd. I just like to help people um, learn about new stuff. I'm investing, budgeting, insurance. So that's just my brand name as it's really been tied to me. So I call everybody my neighbors. I got good neighbors, bad neighbors, some neighbors that move out and come back. It just be everything. <laughs> cool, cool. I, I guess, uh, do you want to, you have anything else, any other content or anything you want to tell us about that you have going on? Uh, let's see. You know, I always say um, for anyone who is interested in true millennial fashion, just follow me on Instagram, slide in the DMs. I promise I'd be answering them. Uh, my Instagram name is the millennials next door. And yeah, if anyone wants a one page financial plan, um, hit me up. Like I said, I do them for free. It's still fun to me for the time being. Maybe next year or two years from now, I'll start charging. But for the time being, it's still free. So yeah, um, it's definitely um, something that I suggest for everyone to do. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to put important goals on one page. It's not going to look too complicated. And I think what really messes people up, you know, outside of showing up is they, they wait. So, you know, you have, if you have money problems now, they're going to be there next year, five years from now, 10 years from now. The best time to do that is just going to get it out the way now. So don't wait, get moving, whether it's me, whether it's someone else, whether it's you guys, get moving. Hit up Andre right now while it's free. Everybody out there, hit him up right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I get the I'm like, hey, y'all got to start paying me some money soon. <laughs> Man, you better be careful. I see what you're doing. Talking about uh, hit, hit you up in the DM. We already know that 75 <laughs> percent of people are women, man. <laughs> <laughs> You run you this by your girlfriend before you said that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just get myself in trouble all the time. <laughs> oh, man. But no, Andre, thank you very much. We really enjoyed all the information you shared with us, Andre. Oh, no, for sure. No, you guys do a lot of good work. I'm all checked out, and I don't keep checking out the podcast now. So I always subscribe. But yeah, I love you guys so far. So no, y'all keep doing stuff, and thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it, man. We, we enjoy listening to you as well. Keep putting out great content, you know, educating and keeping everybody informed. Bad. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, Andre. So is there any any other plugs you have anything? Any any other uh, place people can see you at? Find you? You know, man, like I said, Instagram is probably the best way to get to me. And uh, you know the podcast, the Flavor Podcast. Um, I'm sorry, the Investing Flavor Podcast. That's like part of our rebranding things to put the word investing in there. But, um, you know, we're on all major um, platforms. Uh, like I said, it's me, Kevin Matthews from Building Bread, Kendra Barnes from the Key Resource, and Mikhail James, the Bougie Budgeter. And we just make one big podcast for everybody just to listen and learn from. Cool. All right, cool. man. We love it. Hey, now, again, appreciate it, guys. Keep doing what you do. All right, all initiatives, go check out Andre um, and, and his podcast and everything he's got going on. Thank you all for listening. Continue to listen to us. Uh, tell a friend, uh, subscribe, share, and have, have a good one. See you all later. Peace.